This is just why it matters, and the program is about conversations with people from different walks of life. My guests are subject experts as well as people who have the lived experience of being blind or who have low vision. We'll cover topics ranging from sports, arts, social events, and everything else across the spectrum for as long as it helps you lead a full life. Welcome to Just Why It Matters. Welcome to the episode of Just Why It Matters, and this one is called In the Hot Seat. The reason why it's called that is because today my guest is me. I'll be interviewing myself. So bear with me as I begin from the very beginning of Just Why It Matters. We started this program on visibility radio on demand probably 12 months or so, sometime in 2018. And it was a question that I asked myself, why do all these things matter? And what are these things? Well, I'll begin by first telling you a little bit about myself. And I will begin to connect the dots and tell you why we are where we are today. I am legally blind and I have been legally blind since December 2012. So, as you would have guessed, I wasn't born blind. I basically acquired blindness. It's called retinitis pigmentosa and it's got to do with the pigmentation of the retina, that little film that is situated right behind the eyeball. Or at least I think it is. I'm not an ophthalmologist. But it started me on a journey of thinking about all the different parts of life that was going on before me, around me, and it began a question that had few answers and incomplete answers in as far as someone who's blind is concerned. So what were we talking about? We were talking about employment. Employment was becoming very difficult. It still is difficult for someone who is blind or with a low vision. We talk about health and we're just as interested in this whole series of subjects just like anyone else. The problem is some of that information is not accessible and that brings us to dead ends in the quest for information. And sometimes it also limits our ability to participate in life, whether it be social, whether it be in civic society, and just getting out there and doing what other people do. So I sat down and I said, well, these things matter to us just like they do to you if you're sighted, but we need to start talking about them in a way that's accessible through the lenses, excuse the pun, through the lenses of someone who is blind or who has low vision. So I started putting down thoughts onto the computer and started researching, talking to different people across the different continuum of 
vision impairment. And it came to me that, yeah, we're interested in a lot of things, but nobody's out there talking about it. And if they do, they sometimes forget that it's not digestible for someone who doesn't have the benefit of sight. So it could be health. You've heard me talk to a whole series of guests, some really interesting subject matters. Recently, we spoke to someone right here at Visibility, Donna, and she is involved with brain injury and what that does to someone's vision. We've spoken to educationists, we've spoken to occupational therapists, but we've also spoken to people who are doing really exciting things out there, people who are making the best of their lives in spite of the vision impairment. And that brought me to a realization that there are so many things that we can do, but we're not doing them for a series of different reasons. Sometimes they're barriers, and those barriers can be internal, and they could be external as well. When I talk about internal barriers, I'm referring to self-doubt. I've gone through that whole series of months, maybe a year or so. When you lose your vision, you begin to convince yourself that that's the end of the road. You know, there's nothing you can do. All those other things that you used to do with the sight to help you perceive and make sense of it was now unavailable. And you sit down there and begin to, like I say, self-doubt. But thankfully, we have people like the guys right here at Visibility who helped pick me up. And with therapy and with friendship and with the whole series of different aids like assistive technology, you begin to discover that, hang on, that's not at the end of the road. Perhaps it's a bit of a diversion. Perhaps it's a little bit of a speed hump, but it's not over yet. And you begin to develop new skills. Now, the whole idea of blindness, people begin to say, oh, you know, when you become blind, you become like an X-Men. Everything becomes so clear in terms of you being able to hear things from a mile away. That's not quite true for everyone. I know the plasticity of the brain does allow you to sort of rewire your senses and you begin to develop an acute sense of hearing or your sense of hearing becomes keener, if there is such a word. But I found that I've actually just become more attentive to the things around me. I found that I have been nudged into paying attention to the sounds and to the voices and the way the voices are spoken, giving you some clue of the emotion behind it or the motivation behind that particular person's conversation. So you develop these new skills and then you also develop this whole idea of a better memory. Now, it's strange. I I laugh at myself sometimes because I tend to put into memory things which people would think, oh, that's not a good use of memory. Why is he remembering things like that? I'll give you an example. The number of steps on different flights of stairs in and around Perth. I remember how many steps there are on different flights of stairs in so many different parts of the city. 
how many steps I'm going to have to take between one point and another point to get to a bus port or to get to a particular shop. And that's, you would say, an overload on the memory, but I found that it's also helped me develop a better memory, a skill that I would have otherwise not paid attention to. And it's helped me in so many other ways, like telephone numbers and people's names and different things that I've got to speak about when I'm doing a podcast or giving a talk. So it's a wonderful opportunity to redirect your skills or develop new skills. Someone once asked me, would there be a time in your life where you would hit the pause button and retool, meaning down tools or the tools that you used to have, pick up new tools or pick up those old tools and use them in a different way? Well, blindness has forced me in one way or another to start doing that. And I have to say that it's been an interesting journey so far. So who are the people in the lives of people who are blind? For the most part, we think about our family, we think about our friends, we think about our carers, and we think about our therapists. But that's too small a circle, actually, because there's a whole range of people who were there before blindness. And if you are one of those people who had sight when you were born and lost your sight somewhere along the way, you might think, well, you know, those people are not going to be interested in me. That's not true either. I think we're forced to relearn communication. Both sides of the fence, the people who interact with me and the people I interact with. I'll give you an example. I went to a social event or a business social event around about three weeks back. And we began quite nicely. I was in the foyer looking for the lift and somebody said, I'm going up there. Would you like a hand? I said, yep, that will be great. We went up there and we chatted for a while, had a drink, and then he had to mingle and that's fair enough. And I stood there and I said, okay, I've got my conspicuous long white cane with me and there are people around me and there were people filing by and walking around me and I stood there and I said, okay, now here's the test. I could easily sit here or stand in a corner and just wait for the event to pass me by. But I said, nope, I would stand right in the midst of everyone and wait because I can't go up to a group because I can't find where the groups of people are and start a conversation. I might end up talking to a mirror who would know. And so I stood there and I said, okay, this is a wonderful social test. Let's see how many people actually find it comfortable enough to come up to me and say, hi, I am so-and-so and this is why I'm here and start the conversation. I waited and I waited and I waited. And the only people who came up to me were the waiters with trays of canapes and finger food and, you know, I gratefully accepted that. But for the most part, most people just carried on. And it's not because, well, sometimes people forget that there are other people in the room, but sometimes they know you're there, but they're not quite sure exactly how to engage with someone with a disability, engage with someone who is standing there with a white cane. 
So they rather or prefer to stay in their comfort zones, and I can understand that. But there was one person that actually came forward and said, Hi, I am so-and-so, and I noticed he was standing there. Would you like to come and join us? And it was the keynote speaker. Everyone else in the room was um, pretty much unaware of my presence. But the keynote speaker, she was brilliant. Maybe that's why she was the keynote speaker. She came up and she said, you know, I am going to be speaking afterwards, but I notice you standing there and would you like to join our group? And we're chatting about this and we're chatting about that. So she brought me into the conversation and we had a brilliant time. So that's how difficult it is on both sides of the fence. I can't see you and I can't basically walk up to where you are and start a conversation. And you might be standing there and saying, how do I engage with a person who's blind? How do I start a conversation? Oh, well, maybe I'll leave it to somebody else. Don't. Don't worry. We don't bite. We actually love talking to you, but we just need you to do the first one thing. Hello. And that's all it takes. So never feel uncomfortable when you come across someone who's blind. They love chatting as well. Sometimes maybe we chat a little bit too much, but... Nevertheless, you can stop the conversation. <laughs> okay, and the other thing that I have learned about being blind, and the pendulum can swing from one extreme end to the other. You could end up sitting down in a corner for the rest of your day or the rest of the week or months, and you begin to take on this thing called learned helplessness. And it's a dangerous place to be because you self-isolate and you begin to say, you know, I need to do this, but I won't and I can't because unless there's somebody else to help me, I am completely helpless. Now, it's different degrees. There is no one snapshot of learned helplessness. But on the other end, on the other extreme, you could have someone who says, I'm going to go out there and prove to the world in every shape and form that I'm independent. I can do whatever you can do. If you can fly an aircraft, so can I. If you can drive a car, so can I. You know, If you can jump off a cliff, so can I. I, I think that's a very dangerous place to be because it's crossing the line and putting yourself in harm's way sometimes. And in doing so, you might actually expose others to similar harm because you're determined to prove something to yourself. So it's a, it's a whole idea of striking balance, not learning to be helpless and not wanting to prove things beyond logical reason. It's important. And that's just why it matters. Because unless we start the conversation and conversations about so many things that are around us, we might be in a very bad place. We might be in a spot where we're not using our talents and not using our gifts and not using our skills and experience. And we deprive society of ourselves. And we also deprive society of learning something else the whole idea of 
extending a hand of assistance. When we ask for help, we invite people to discover something about themselves. Sometimes in the busyness of our day, we forget, and it's human. We forget about others around us. But when someone comes up to you who has a disability or something else that's stopping them from doing what they need to do and ask you for a hand, it's an invitation to that person to grow. And that's just as important as the one who is receiving the assistance. So as we journey through our lives as people with disability, as a person who is blind, I'm encountering so many new situations, so many new people, and I'm learning new things about myself and about others, and I am hoping that they are learning new things about us and about themselves as well. So this was a interesting time for me. I've not done a monologue for ages and ages, and I hope you found it interesting. So until I have you back on Just Why It Matters with a guest other than myself, this is Kenneth Poir signing out. Thank you for joining us, and that's Just Why It Matters. I'm Kenneth Poir signing out.